wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. And welcome once more to our podcast, A Quirky Journey. With me is the incredible Joe Witten from far north Queensland. Joe Witten, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was quite welcome. <laughs> it's our show. You should be welcoming me. <laughs> hey, man. How are you? I know you, love, I know you love doing the hype at the start, so I'll let you do it. I've always dreamt of being like a, a radio DJ. And, uh, here's my chance. They say it's the best kind of celebrity, you know, because it gets you a, good, a table at a good restaurant, but you're not well known enough like, with your face to be interrupted during dinner. That's what they say about a radio personality. Because, <laughs> because you're behind the mic. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> You good? Everything's going well. Right, I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. I just uh, released tickets to my Fire Feast Fable dinner on November 10th. You did. It sounds so exciting. I know. I'm like, I'm really excited. It is. This is. It, it sounds like a really fun thing to do. Well, that's what what I'm trying to do now. So I'll tell you. So last time I did this event in Katoomba, we had 74 people come. It was amazing. Like a beautiful place. We turned the venue from being this kind of like function hall into being this like little magical playground kind of place where it was like 80 meters of fairy lights above our heads and flowers. (laughs) It was just so beautiful. And we did like nine different dishes. So much, you know, prep and just with so, such hard work, you know, but it was an incredible night. Yeah. People were really happy just to be out of their routine in a place where they could just socialize and have fun and eat and, you know, drink and just be happy for, for an evening. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. But for, for us, it was like, Oh my God, yeah. where's the next post? What type of thing? I'll get this. <laughs> it was just, I was like, Man, <laughs> I, I now know why I stopped this sh- this whole, you know, <laughs> well, I no longer. He didn't tell me to slap you if you ever went back to shipping. <laughs> well, that's right. And um, and I don't want to go back to being a chef, but like you know, you know me, Joe. Like once you cook for people, you yeah. kind of enjoy it. But right? now and then, you want to feed people. Of course, so, of course. It's good yeah. fun. So as long um, as you've got a lot of help in the Yeah. Well, we had a lot of mm. yeah, a good amount of volunteers and helpers. It was great. And, um, but it put a lot of stress on a lot of people and it was a stressful night for me, really. Like I was trying to not stress and to enjoy it, but it was just really hard to bring like an entire restaurant experience to a function in one night and dismantle the whole thing and then, you know, be done. It was just hard work. It worked really well for the people outside sitting there. I hope that was the feedback that I got, (laughs) but, uh, for us, it was really a lot of stress and you know me i'm not about stress at all i'm all about less stress so there's this uh, event that i attended uh, when i first moved to the mountains this beautiful uh area here called the southern it's called springwood and these people have this uh, home in the bush with acreage around it and caves and all sorts of stuff around and they run their business from there they do yoga and dance and all sorts of stuff from the school and we attended an event that they did, which they call story time. And it's this, uh, I, we didn't know what to expect. And we got there and we sat in this little mud hut that John had built himself. And he is a, a drummer. He's a percussionist, plays the djembe, teaches the djembe, really, really good at it. And um, he, uh, they started off with a little bit of music, they, uh, uh, him and his wife, Emily really incredible dancer as well and uh, she the, the two of them were playing some music and then he started telling a fairy tale um a, a fable and it was the room was full of people maybe 50 55 people and we we're just all like either lying down blankets or sitting up and there was a fire and uh, it was such a magical experience having storytelling um and it kind of felt like 
for someone who's been living, you know, this paleo kind of lifestyle and looking at traditional hunter-gatherer ways and the ways of traditional cultures, to, to be sitting around the fire with some music and a story was just such a, a beautiful form of nourishment. And I just felt so happy for days afterwards. Felt that, you know, part of my soul had been given a form of nourishment that it had been lacking. It was, I didn't really, it, it, I did not expect it. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. The kids were there. They were asking questions. He would stop and ask questions of the, everyone. And everyone gets to answer. And the, my daughters were there and they were answering questions. And everyone, the whole room would go quiet for like Sarah to respond, which was an amazing experience for a, an eight-year-old girl to sort of have a whole room um, be patiently waiting for her to ask a question or to give an answer in a way That's that is respectful. Yeah, it was it was really such a great thing for the family. And I, I went again, did another one there, loved it again. And I thought, you know what, this is such a, um, a beautiful experience. It's almost like having a tribe for a day, but it's just missing the element of food. So I contacted them. <laughs> Hey, why, like, why don't we just do something with food? You know, I just put a, a beautiful, simple meal together, and uh, and that was before I did my event in Katumba. And um, when I did the event in Katumba, I was thinking, my God, I will not be able to pull this off in a bush setting. I have to really rethink the way that I would do this dinner. It'd be an outdoor dinner. Mm-hmm. We'd be bringing like lighting a fire, hopefully, if we if, if there's no fire ban. Um, and cooking over a fire or like um, maybe a wok burner if we have to. And um, mm. I was thinking, man, like um, this is going to be very hard to do something that is sort of like a restaurant style dinner. So then I flipped the idea and made it uh, more affordable for everyone, but decided to cook in like a big pot, like a, just like you would if you had like a fam, like a village festival back in the day in Lebanon, you know, like a, a cauldron yeah. style uh, dinner. And uh, so that's what one I... One pot dinner. Saying. Yeah, just <laughs> one pot dinner. We'll have maybe like, yeah. like a big stew, one vegetarian, one uh, omnivorous option with some lamb or uh, chicken or something like that. And... Um, slow cook it during the day by the time people come want to eat dinner at six o'clock it's been cooking for you know five six seven hours something like that so it's full of flavor and then have a, a nice dessert at the end as well and afterwards do story time maybe do a little bit of dance with uh the guys as well because emily teaches dance there and it's such a, a beautiful experience so um but what's the dance she teaches i looked it up it, uh it's a Middle Eastern. Oh, the Dab kids. That well, they asked yeah. me. They said, "Why don't we do like a Middle?" Yeah, that's good fun. So yeah, the can Dab you explain that? Yeah, it's it's sort of like a so you know people just stand together in a circle and they hold hands and they dance to the beat and it's just four like three steps. You know, it's, there's three steps to the dance. They all dance together and it's. Uh, a simple, really simple, beautiful dance and uh, just, you know, an opportunity for people to get up and dance and hold hands and dance in a circle. And Yeah, just yeah, a fun kind of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're all doing the same thing. So, you know, it's just, um, it's not a complicated dance and kids can yeah. join in everything. So join in, yeah. It's good fun. The, the, um, it's just, it sounds very traditional, doesn't it? Yeah. The, the fire and the story and the... Joining yes. hands in a circle and dancing and the music and yes. big meal together. Sounds amazing. So that's what I was thinking. Like, who's doing something like that? You know, no one's, like people are dinners or like, you know, dinners or, uh, yeah, it's all chefy stuff. And, you know, I'm at this point. And it's getting towards the end of the year. It's a good time for a, for a um, relaxing party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some, something that is like, more more you know human centered i feel like something that is about our wholeness as human beings not just you go to a place you sit at a table people wait on you on the table and give you food and stuff like that that's not a communal experience a community kind of thing yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so whereas with this one you know like we'd be pouring the food out and i get to sit and eat too because like 
once the food is dished out, yeah. I don't have to keep going, you know. And I, I get yeah, to that's be part right. of it and enjoy it and just simple nourishing experiences. That's what I want to be able to create yeah. for people, something that is maybe reminds them. Create that space for connection, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, there's something so magical about story time anyway in itself. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing that, um, you know, just having all these elements around it, like the food and the dance, I think people coming will absolutely love it. It's going to be great. And hopefully I can... Bring the kids, yeah. So you can, yeah, definitely bring the kids. So we've got tickets for both adults and kids. The kids' tickets are discounted and... I've got an early bird uh, ticket as well for people who are buying at the moment. There's a limited number of early bird tickets. And um, yeah, go in, get the tickets for you, for the kids. It's $20 for the kids and $55 for the adult. And that, the event goes from 5 to, to around 8.30. And um, yeah, I think it's just uh, we're trying to make it affordable so you don't, you spend that money, you know, almost on, on a movie yeah. these days. So, yeah, that's right. So this is something, yeah, something different, something really different, oh. really targeted. I'm hoping I can... Sorry, I keep interrupting you because it's cutting out a little. <laughs> no, it sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. I hope I can come. Yes, make it if you can. I'd love to have you there. You'd yes. be responsible for making dessert for everybody. Okay, sure. Yeah. As long as I get to sit and eat too. Yeah. <laughs> I um, would love to. So we've got those events, that event coming up in November 10th, uh, on November 10th. But what else have we got? Where do they find that? Oh, so. Oh, they find. Yeah. I haven't put up the, I'll put the link in the show notes, but I'll put the event up on, uh, I guess, the Quirky page. I'll put it up on the Quirky Cooking events. Yeah. Facebook and, and stuff. And put it up on Facebook for us as well. And I'll, I'll be sure. I haven't started really pushing it. Um, so I'll put it on social media. I'll put it on my Facebook and Facebook events. So um, Instagram, you'll be able to find by the time the, the podcast comes out. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, this month we've got Northern Territory seminars. So that's pretty exciting. I can't wait to see Uluru, Joe. I can't wait as well. I've only seen it from a distance. I want to go right up and see it close. It's going to be so exciting. How big is this thing? It just looks, so just big, looks big. massive. <laughs> I can't believe it. I think we'll both be just sitting, just being so gobsmacked by the magnificence of it. Yeah. It's amazing only, like even just from a distance, I was just like blown away. So, wow. yeah, it'd be lovely to see it from close up. How far out of Darwin is it? No, it's out of Alice. Sorry, Alice. So, well, I, saying, sorry, Alice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's only like a 20 or 30 minute drive. I, I think it's something like that, but I'll have to. Oh, of Alice, right. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. And, so, last time I flew through Alice, we stopped for a layover for a few hours. And so we went into Alice and um, climbed up a lookout so we could see it and the kids were all really excited but wow. yeah we didn't get to go right up to it so this time we will so that's cool we're really excited about going to Alice for a seminar because um, we, we always love the seminars where they're a little bit out of the way don't we so much yeah. fun to meet the people yeah. and to be a bit more of Australia yeah like I would really have had to visit Alice to visit Alice otherwise, you know, like I would have made, I had to make it a destination, but this one, now we've got all these yeah. events that we're doing. It's just wonderful to have an excuse to go to see all these places that I've been wanting to see for so long as well. <laughs> it <laughs> is. great. Yeah. And Darwin, I love, I always love going to Darwin as well. So there's some, there's some great places to eat. There's some great people there. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's on the 24th of October. There's the 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then Alice is on the 26th of October, mm -hmm. 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And um, then Perth in November. Yeah, Perth um, next month. What are the dates? 21st, 21st and 23rd. And we've got morning and evening seminars for Perth on both of those days. Yeah. So um, all the details for the events are on our events page on the blog. There'll be a link in the show notes, but if you go to the blog, there's the events tab and you'll find them all there as well. 
So Very if cool. you know anyone in Darwin, Alice, Perth that mm -hmm. might want to come, yes, Blue Mountains, <laughs> yeah, share it with your friends. We'd love to meet you guys. All right, so uh, Joe, you did this next mm -hmm. podcast on your own with Kale. Um, maybe we yep. should away, but um, just give us the highlights of what's to come. Like, what's the topic? Yeah. Okay, so we talked about the My Health Record, which has recently been um, suddenly accelerated. It's been around for a while, a few years. Um, but it's not been compulsory to put your details on the My Health now. It will be unless you opt out. So Kale is a journalist who we've viewed before about his gut health movie um, and he gives an intro at the start of what he does and who he is and his background in journalism and things like that. And um, he started looking into the My Health record and was quite concerned about the implications. And so he um, did a video and podcast on it and it went a bit viral on social media. So we thought we'd get him on to talk about it. Um, just It's just good to be aware of, you know, current issues and, you know, make your own decisions on whether you want to opt in or opt out. Um, but it's quite an interesting discussion. Wonderful. So, have you got anything to add to that, Fufu? No, I think it's you know it's one of those things where you really have to be uh, aware of this because this system is asking you to opt in by default. So it's just really important for you to know that the choice is being made for you. What you're opting into. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't actually. Yeah. Been, you've only been given the choice to opt out. It's sort of like the Telstra directory, almost like where they say. You have to add, like it pay us dollars fifty or something like that, so we don't list your phone in the directory. And I'm like, surely, mm. like not listing it is uh, something that uh, costs less than listing it. Yeah. That's a way to. Make it. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things that you have you need to opt out from if you choose to. Yeah. But um, by default, you opted in. So really, be aware of what it is that you are. Um, being asked to opt into without making a conscious choice of have a listen to the podcast um, and get educated on the topic and spread it with your friends and family so that um, all of you are aware and can make the choice for yourselves. It's some, I think it's quite soon the cutoff date too. So that's why we wanted to get it out there pretty soon. So make sure you share this with your friends and family that you think need to know about it. Um, I think it's only a, I think it's the middle of November is the complete cutoff, something like that. Mm. There we go. So, Great. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, Get it out there. The <laughs> we'll uh, chat to you next week. Thanks, Fufu. Welcome, Kale. It's so good to have you back on the show. Ah, thanks for having me back on. I always love having a chat with you and, oh, well, we're missing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's ditched us. I know. <laughs> he double booked. <laughs> Must be in the mountains swimming in the waterfall. Or yeah, something. Probably, that's probably what something he meant. Glorious. That's probably what he meant by double booked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, too funny. So what have you been up to lately? Uh, well, actually, I'm down in Adelaide at the moment. I've had a couple of uh, social engagements, which I always try and mix in with a couple of work yeah. engagements when I come back here. So, um, yeah, I just had my uh, my father-in-law, not that he's technically my father-in-law, but my father-in-law's 60th. And then I've got my friend's buck show, stag show, this oh. coming weekend. So I'm trying to work out how that's all going to work because I'm the best man and I'm meant to be organising oh. everything. So, oh. yes, I'm not sure. Are you an events organising type person? <laughs> well, I guess I am, I know. But you'd think, <laughs> you'd think that would help, but... Um, when you have to organise the things typically associated with a buck mm. show, it does tend to get a little bit more difficult than normal. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> yes. So that's what I'm doing at the moment in between working and managing, you know, the Gut Summit and, and the books and the films and all the rest of it. And, and what's the Gut Summit? Do you want to explain what you're doing with that? Yeah. So we are running a series of one-day sort of exciting gut, events around Australia. We're going to Perth in November and then um, Adelaide and Sydney in February next year. So we're basically sort of getting together 
uh, some of the some of the best practitioners that we know, mm-hmm. um, people like Dr. Damien Christoph, Dr. Andrea Huddleston, Dr. Peter Dingle, Helen Patteron, um, Dr. Margie Smith, those guys just sort of getting together for a, a comprehensive day on the gut where people can come and get a little bit excited. And, <laughs> yeah, so we're just organising those events and doing some extra interviews and things like that. And then, um, yeah. I've also so it's a, been... it's a live event, not a online. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we obviously – you were involved in the Gut yeah. Healing Summit mm-hmm. <clears throat> that we did online and um, that had a big reach. But what I found and what you would know as well is that when you do these online events, you miss out on that one crucial part and that's yeah. getting c- together, you know, and yeah. getting people it makes inspired. such a difference to be there yeah. in person. Totally, because you get surrounded by the energy, you know. And, and you can focus, leave. whereas if you're at home watching something, it's easy to get distracted. <laughs> yes, totally, especially in this day and age, mm. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, we're just doing that at the moment. I've got Tim, you know, working hard, organising all the uh, the logistics of the event and um, I'm busy sort of in publishing mode of the next book i don't know if oh, you saw on my yes. instagram this is pretty exciting i'm actually oh. probably most excited about this i've got oh, that's um, good what, what's it my called i book. can't remember if i saw it <clears throat> so it's called a mandy microbes oh yes i Big did gut adventure so it's <laughs> a kid's, kids gut health book awesome yeah i'm super pumped about that so yeah. that's coming out sort of uh for christmas this year so i'm really pumped oh, that's really <laughs> to good share that. yeah to it's so that. cool Mm, yeah, me too. I can't wait to see the end result. It's looking, it's just so adorable uh, at the moment. So I'm <laughs> liking this project. Oh, watch, watch out, world. Kale's getting into kids' books. This could be yes. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about kids' books and then buck shows. How's the oh, um, wow. contrast? <laughs> <laughs> so when are you in Perth? Because we're in Perth in November as well. Yeah, so we're there, we're there at the start of November. Okay, and, you, and we're when at the are you, end. When are you yeah, guys there? We're at the, the 21st and 23rd, so we won't see okay. you. But that's okay because uh, then, then our events don't overlap, so that's good too. <laughs> I think so, and then people can sort of <laughs> Go to you know, do all the learning and then do them more on hand. Um, yeah, the cooking. Yeah, and <laughs> the cooking and stuff. There you go. Oh, well, that's good. And um, I'm pretty sure that you're also still doing a bit of travelling for your film. Yeah, we're doing a little bit. Um, I'm doing some virtual travelling as well to um, the UK because oh. we're adding in an interview with uh, someone who has influenced quite heavily you, you and you and me, <laughs> Mr. Mrs. Um, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. And uh, yeah, I love talking to her. She's so, <clears throat> such a fascinating woman. She's so intelligent, oh. and she, she you almost have to. Slow her down. Oh, I know. <laughs> she speaks so fast and she's got so much. So much to share. In her head. Yeah. yeah. So we're just sort of doing an interview with her and before we release the gut movie internationally and hopefully via online streaming services and stuff. So that will go into the movie, like you're re- sort yeah. of redesigning the movie. Yeah, just mm-hmm. a, a revised edition basically, yeah. just um, to sort of fit the international market a little bit mm-hmm. better. Uh, so that's kind of what we're doing and still hosting the odd screening here and there in Australia. So and so when the new version comes out, will Australians get to see it? <laughs> yeah, we'll throw it up on iTunes and we'll do oh, awesome. a sort of initial special for a few dollars or something oh, just great. so that everyone in Australia can pick it up nice and cheap and see the revised edition. Yeah, look forward to it. Yeah. When we did our um, 100th episode on A Quirky Journey, we interviewed Dr Natasha and I tell you that's been one of our most popular um, podcast it was just so full of so much wisdom and information yeah she's amazing oh, she's so inspiring she's yeah. just she's, she brings that rare blend of extreme intelligence with extreme empathy and compassion and uh, the, and the traditional wisdom of you know yeah. that she was she learned from her grandmother who had all this passed down to her and it was just so interesting to hear how she healed as a child traditionally and, yeah, amazing. Mm, beautiful story. Yeah. Well, we should get on to the um, podcast. Um, yes. So today we really want to pick your brains about the My Health Record because you've been researching this and, um, you know, there's a lot of info out there online that some of it sounds a little bit scary and some of it when you talk to people they say, yeah, but it's not a big deal and... 
I don't really care if anyone knows what's in my health record because there's nothing private. I mean, who really cares? What does it matter if anybody can find out the information? So we'd love to know why you started researching it and um, maybe you can give us a bit of a background on your journalism background as well so people know where you're coming from. Yeah, well, I guess I sort of forced um, myself to become a journalist when I was 16 <laughs> after being diagnosed with a with a heart condition that was mm. supposedly incurable and, and all this sort of stuff and the only options I had was surgery. So since then I've been asking a lot of questions and I think yeah. it's really important for people to ask more questions, particularly here in Australia when we're uh, typically quite trusting of yes. the authorities and quite trusting of each other, which is such a beautiful trait, but at the same time it sort of can do us in. <laughs> it can be a bit um, naive at times. <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> So that's sort of where I um, started and then obviously went and worked for Network 10 for two years and really earned my um, chops there at Network 10 as a journalist and then uh, became a freelancer and had been sort of focusing on the gut microbiome and gut health for the last, oh, I'm always scared to say, like the last eight years or yeah, something. Yeah, I was like thinking that. it was getting close to, really getting close to 10, so wow. I know. <laughs> I know it's, it makes me sad, but that's uh, that's a okay. why. Why does it make you sad? You're feeling old. I'm feeling old. <laughs> oh well, fine. you got you're just a baby compared to me, yeah. No, I'm doing. <laughs> but I'm you doing know so much more. <laughs> I started so young. I mean, at 16, I think I was still riding my bike and climbing trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was still doing that. I was still uh, going surfing and things like yeah. that. But I was just a little bit of a health nerd, I guess. Yeah, um, and continued awesome. that uh, into today. But the the sort of my health record thing started when I was in Melbourne um, hanging out with Damien Christoph and doing a gut movie event. And he said, hey, do you know the Australian government are creating a, a digital health record for you? <clears throat> and I said, no. I said, what, what is that? He said, yeah, it's a my health record. And I went, oh, okay. And um, I sort of didn't really give it much thought. And then Damien sent me an article later uh, that was quite relevant to to what was going on. And the the article said that 41% of Australians didn't know they were having a My Health record mm. created for them. And that 70, uh, between 70 and 80% of GPs that were surveyed in, in a big survey said that they themselves didn't want a health record yeah. and they didn't see any benefit to it and they... Um, said that it would only work if the GPs were on board and this this sort of survey had suggested that they were not. So it was <laughs> it was quite a stark um, thing to read. And then mm. the final sort of nail in the coffin was when I read the fact that pharmaceutical companies technically could have access to to our information. And that was for me probably mm. a step too far. There were yes. not enough clear policies in place to really protect our information. It was sort of all very um, loose loose policies which seemed quite confusing and vague and mm. me being not a conspiracy theorist but me me being looking into things <laughs> somewhat <laughs> distrusting of the the powers that be yeah uh, after i had a look into it i shared that video that sort of went a little bit viral Crazy, yeah. uh, basically saying here's why i'm opting out of mm. the, the my health record and here's why so yeah so that brings up a lot of questions already um, when did it start um, being put online, the digital health records? It's been a few years, hasn't it? Mm, I believe it actually started almost in 2012 or something. Uh, so is was everybody's being put online at that time or? No, I think they had just started sort of advocating for. So um, you had to agree to have it put online at that time? Or how I did, believe so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and still I'm not, you know, I, I haven't been involved in it, but it commenced back, uh, let me see, I've actually got my article here. It mm -hmm. commenced back in 2012 and since then 6 million Australians have signed up. Right, so but, you had to sign up to be put online. It was a yeah, permission thing. Yeah. And the but, intention I think is good and that's what I sort of am always uh, quick to say yeah. with this. I think the intention is great because it can clear away that confusion if mm. you're jumping between practitioners it's a one-click assay on your health status it's like mm. almost having like the health app in your phone mm. available for your doctor to see however yeah. the implementation of 
this well-intentioned idea and program has probably not been so uh, efficient (laughs) and thought through. It's often the case, isn't it? They jump into something or we jump into something thinking, oh, this will be good, and then afterwards go, oh, I forgot to think about that. (laughs) Yeah, and I think they're probably in a rush to yeah. get it in because you see it's it's been happening for six years now it's mm. 2012 when it started so they're probably it's gone under, too slowly we'll just chuck everyone in government <laughs> and all that sort of stuff so they're going to be going oh this is looking like an nbn fiasco we're going to have to really get this into gear and, and make mm. it happen yeah uh, but so, the, the issue with having policies in place instead of laws is that policies can be changed very quickly and we need laws surrounding this, not policy. Um, So when you say that there's benefits to it, what what are they saying are the benefits? Well, that's that's the issue at the moment. (laughs) At the moment, there doesn't seem to be any clear benefit because, Mm. because most GPs are not interested in upholding the program and contributing to the digital health record. And do they say why? Uh, no, no. The mm-hmm. study sort of said or the, the survey sort of said that they saw no benefit to it. So they can but, really already get the information that they need? Essentially, they... yes. Essentially, yes. It's just a little bit more, I suppose, convoluted mm. because they're probably dealing with physical files. Right when it comes to someone's health and they may not be able to access someone's physical file from a hospital that they visited whilst on holiday in Western Australia Mm -hmm. uh, and they're going to visit their practitioner in Sydney and maybe there's something crucial that happened then. For instance, they found out that they were allergic to penicillin. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, there's all these potential benefits where Mm -hmm. we have a certain degree of clarity when it comes to a patient and the doctor is probably arguably uh, more well-informed when it comes to treating them. But as we know, unless you're visiting an integrative GP or someone who's actually going to spend time with you, these things are often not really heavily considered. Yeah, uh, It's normally in and out, you know, mm. So, and that's the, the majority of what the health record is, is mm. for. But the sort of concerns come into play when we see who would potentially have access to it and the, the general lack of clarity when it comes to implementing some basic privacy and security issues around the data. Yeah, so maybe that's what we should talk about now because I think that's the concern most people have that are opting out Mm. is the security issues. So can you just talk to us about what you found out about that? In Singapore this year, there there were 1.5 million people's health data hacked uh, Mm. by a cyber I don't know if you could call them a cyber terrorist or something mm. like that. And even the Prime Minister's health data was actually compromised. So wow. they were able to access 1.5 million people and they're going to have state-of-the-art security surrounding this yeah. digital information. And even the best hackers, the best um, programmers will say that no digital system is impenetrable. Yeah, of course. There's always going to be some security issues and as technology advances, the security and defence mechanisms should advance correlatingly correspondingly sorry um so that's sort of where we're going that's one of the biggest risks is that these cyber terrorists could potentially have access to our health information Mm -hmm. whether you think that is relevant or not sort of depends on on where you see that going It, it all depends on the sort of information that's in there but as health technology moves forward in a very fast pace mm. which we will eventually see genetic information being yeah. uploaded to this a lot um, of people already have record. probably yeah. got that totally and DNA when test. we see the fact that uh cloning is becoming more of a um <laughs> we're already cloning dogs in, in certain <laughs> countries so freaky the potential uh, and this is getting quite far-fetched of course but this is the sort of future we're heading to we we don't know what's going to be sensitive information as we move on into the future. Can people take our DNA and do something with it? Can people, um, can companies use our DNA to sort of make financial decisions? And this was sort of the very confusing area of the policy surrounding the My Health Record. It was that uh, organisations could access the data if there was a, a quote-unquote public benefit. 
Uh, as we know, the Australian government particularly can be very confused uh, to what is beneficial from a medical standpoint. <laughs> yeah. um, they're very interested in enforcing certain medications on us. Mm. Uh, my concern there was, look, are they going to all of a sudden decide that everybody has, for instance, an MTHFR gene? Uh, are they going to come up with a drug that everybody now has to take? Mm. Uh, so there's, there's all sorts of different scenarios and when it gets confusing. Now, the policy said that there was no way that a company could access the information for commercial purposes. And my whole point is, well, uh, insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies are commercial companies. And so they, they shouldn't not, be allowed to access it. So they should not be allowed to access it. However, they are not um, disallowed from access. They have mm. said it would be on a case-by-case basis, but they are certainly not um, not excluded from the list of people that can access it. And the, the very interesting quote that I heard from, I think his name is Kim Kelsey or something like that, the guy mm. who sort of basically started, uh, is running this whole thing, has said that once everything's sort of up and running, they're going to uh, update the data. Uh, sorry, update the policies. They're going to review the policies <laughs> and change them. Exactly, like so, they always do. <laughs> exactly. So, so there's no concrete system in place to no, ensure that what mm. we're being told will still be relevant and true in yeah, five years' now. time. Yeah. So his name is Tim Kelsey. He's the head of the Australian Digital Health Agency. And, again, the intention is great. However, what they're really the, – the main concerns are how they're implementing it. And yeah. I will say as well that there seems to be a big emphasis on the police being able to access our health data. Mm. And there's for a variety of reasons, and one of which, which is very confusing and has got a lot of people quite angry, is in the case of protecting the public revenue. So is that a job of the police? (laughs) I'm not sure, but this is, they're sort of saying this is an exception when they can access our health data without our permission is in the interest of protecting the public revenue. Mm. They've also gone on to say things like in the case of any court proceedings, um, of uh, all the rest of it, basically, any any sort of court proceedings, anything right. in a, involved in an investigation, um, basically they giving can dig all, out all of, your health records and bring yeah, it into the yeah. courtroom. <laughs> and you know we don't want that to to happen. I think mm. the Australian government gave all our bowel cancer and bowel screening results to Telstra back in 2016 without anyone's permission. Why? From, because they were updating a digital sort of, they were basically creating a digital bowel cancer screening database. Uh, but they didn't say to everyone involved, hey, do you mind if we give your data to a for-profit mm. company to yeah. create this digital database? Um, it's, it's very confusing and there's not a safe or impressive precedent that's been set here. I think we need to be quite concerned. Mm. Do you feel that Australia is heading towards the way that America is with um, pharmaceutical companies being a big business where they advertise on TV and they, you know, they always are jostling at each other trying to be the, the biggest medication in a, you know, it's like um, mm. it's very much advertised which medications to take and so you, yeah. so people will go to their doctor and say, I want this one. You know, is this heading that direction in Australia and do you think they could use information to make money, the pharmaceutical companies? The pharmaceutical companies, of course, are allowed and encouraged to make money because they exist in a capitalistic economy and <laughs> they are a for-profit company. They are not a human activist. They're not an activist company. They're not a charity. They sometimes use charities for their benefit, but they <laughs> certainly are not one themselves. So yeah. they, they do have shareholders that they are accountable to. So when we confuse their actions with anything other than a for-profit company with an inherent bias towards making their products more profitable, <laughs> profitable mm-hmm. uh, we sort of do ourselves a big disservice. Yeah. And again, this is Australia. We're, we're too trusting when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Another article I shared sort of after the whole sort of My Health record fiasco was done by the guardian which sort of explained that in australia we are actually 
pretty much as bad as America when it comes to the pharmaceutical industry's influence on our health legislation. Mm, Uh, In this article, they basically talked about the fact that um, pharmaceutical companies are donating millions, millions of dollars to both political parties in this country. They do have the whole revolving door situation between people moving from governmental positions to pharmaceutical advocacy positions. They do have the paid training. They do blur the lines between what is educational and what is basically propaganda. This is all happening in this country. And yet, for some reason, we sort of just assume that it just happens in America. Yeah, we don't hear about it as much maybe. No, no, I don't think so. No, Mm. but it's just sort of gaining a little bit of traction now, I think, because of the internet, because people are actually questioning even mainstream media, which obviously had a big influence on the latest ousting of our most recent prime minister as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on. I feel like this turbulent sort of space politically is not conducive to, for instance, a my health record being implemented correctly and safely. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was all, I was quite ready to, to question this thing. Um, so, yeah, the, it turns out when you do sort of look into it, there is quite a lot of concern that people have around the, the implementation of the, the my health record. And, again, this comes down to this, overarching and and very obvious confusion when it comes to to policy and there's no commitment whatsoever to uphold that policy either again with that that comment by it's not law it's just no it's not law exactly so it doesn't need to pass through government to actually be implemented it can just be deleted with the stroke of a keyboard so within their um what do you call it? In, the Australian Digital Health Agency. So they, they just basically it. decide if they want to change it without going through any government process. Yeah, wow. yeah, basically. Hmm. It's concerning, isn't it? It is. Um, and I think the other another thing that you mentioned in your video, I've, we haven't actually mentioned much about that. Um, so if you, if you want to watch um, Kale's video about this on his channel, where do they find it? Uh, it's on the Broccoli Roast on iTunes, which is my, my podcast, and it's yep. also on YouTube at Cal's Broccoli and on the website as well. You'll find it somewhere. Okay, we'll put links. But I think one thing you mentioned in there is the ATO can also access the My Health yes. Record. Now, why would that, that be? Who knows? I can't work out <laughs> a reason, Joe. It's just crazy. Like, and again, um, what's his name? Bill, Bill Bautel, who was a sort of political health advisor in the 80s and 90s. He sort of commented on this in a Courier-Mail article. I'm just yeah. scrolling to find it now. And uh, he sort of said somewhere along the way, the police and other agencies, including the ATO, the Australian Taxation Office, have decided that they must have warrantless warrantless Ooh. access to this treasure trove of data. These provisions break the bond between clinician and patient. The idea that police and security agencies and the ATO and other agencies control these databases at will is abhorrent to its great shame the parliament passed these provisions. So, again, I just can't get why they need it. I don't don't know. I cannot work out a reason (laughs) for the ATO to to need access to this. And and for me, this throws off some really significant alarm bells Mm. that there is something else at play here that we are not being told. And I really am opposed to a police state where the government has too much control and Mm -hmm. too much information on us. We need to remember that they work for us. This is what a lot of Australian people don't realise. They work for us, Mm -hmm. okay? They are employed by us to represent us and steer the country in a direction which reflects our highest values. Currently, they are not doing that. Mm -hmm. And that is concerning. And and that carries over into the My Health Record fiasco. When we see, for instance, the fact that a... A financial agency, a financial branch of the government, the ATO, are trying to have access to a medical and health branch of the ATO. Now, clearly the two have ties. However, on a personal level, they should be very different. Mm. I don't understand what's what's going on there. And, and again, they have not provided any clarity. The only thing they've sort of said is that they won't just be able to go and dig in there. They need to sort of apply for data, they, it'll be done on a case-by-case basis. 
for instance, in protecting the public revenue, in involved in any sort of um, uh, prevention, detection, investigation, prosecution or punishment of criminal offences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, somehow if, if the police tie in someone's health activity with the, their criminal activity, they might be able to... <laughs> it's very confusing. It's very confusing. And I think a lot of people would just look at that and go, it doesn't match up. It can't really make any sense why they would need it. So I'm not that worried about it because, I mean, how could they really use my health record? But so some people may be still thinking it doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, I think it does matter because mm, it, represents, <laughs> it represents a larger agenda to mm. actually And even become... if we don't understand exactly what that agenda is, we still need to be cautious. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like I'm trying to find a good analogy here. Maybe you can think of one, but I think that it represents a, a, an overall agenda of the government to have too much say yeah. and too much involvement in our health, which they already do. Yeah, and we are not moving in a direction where we encourage people to actually take control of their own health. This is again a, a, a symptom of us saying. We need more of your information to control your health for yeah, you. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think so. And I think then, because mm. this is something that in the natural health circles that we are in, we're always saying you've got to take responsibility for your own health. Don't just pass it off to your doctor and when things get bad enough, you go and try and patch things up. You've got to always be looking after your own health yourself. Um, and just passing it off to someone else and saying, well, they're looking after it. It's not really very smart. Yeah, and and if just because there's potentially no negative effect or negative consequence, immediate negative consequence Mm -hmm. of signing up to the My Health Record, there also seems to be no immediate benefit. Yes, exactly. So So for me, that's like, why, why, why do it? Yeah. You know, especially when we don't actually know the, I think, we don't actually know the true intentions of you, of the system. Do you know what they're saying we will miss out on if we opt out? Do you know if there's anything they're saying we miss out? No, no. there's nothing. Okay. No, but hopefully it's mandatory uh, medications. <laughs> yeah. My husband actually works at the hospital and I was talking to him about it. He's like, I don't even know anything about this. So he went to work and asked around and and the people that he asked said, no, we're not going to opt in, you know, like the doctors and people he talked to. So that's interesting. (laughs) It is interesting because they are the very practitioners and Mm. cogs in that machine who are going to uphold it. And if they're not interested in doing that, then the system's going to fail. Yeah. And how long are we going to push this this poop uphill? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, well, that's really interesting. And obviously we're not saying, guys, you have to go opt out, but just look into it and really think about it, right? Um, mm. we're so, we're so, we live in such a wonderful country that I think we get a bit complacent thinking, like you say, we, we're just very trusting because we have such a good life here in Australia. Mm. Um, but we want to keep it good. So <laughs> absolutely. Just, let's do. just, yeah, we have to always look into things and, Use our brains and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's let's use this analogy. I've just thought of one. We okay. were all upset when we found that Facebook and Google were selling our mm. internet activity to advertisers. Yes. This is the exact same thing. Our health data is being made accessible. It's being looked to, at as a commodity. As a commodity. Mm. To And, again, the, the intention perhaps may be to use it as a health tool to help practitioners get a one-click clear assay on someone's health. Uh, but looking at the policies, that is actually not going to occur. And mm-hmm. looking at the unwillingness of many GPs and doctors to actually corroborate and contribute to the My Health Record, I think that, again, it, it's probably not going to end up being such a beneficial sort of system. And again, when we've already wasted a billion dollars on this thing, or wasted, I said, we've already spent a billion dollars on this wow. thing. That's a lot of money that could go to actually educating people to 
maybe take control of their health a little bit more so they don't have to go to the doctor as mm. much or, you know, all the things that we've talked about on our various podcasts and yeah. all our sort of information, maybe we could be spending that money on sharing that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do people do if they want to opt out? They go to, I think it's myhealthrecord.gov.au and you can sort of go through the process there to opt out or you can call a number. But it has to be done. Actually, I'm I've got the a, website here. It's um, optout.myhealthrecord.gov.au. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Optout.myhealthrecord.gov. There you go. And you have to do it by a certain date. Yeah. Um, I think it's it, – I've heard October 15, but then there's a month grace period. Okay. And it's not always easy for everyone to opt out. Um, I went online to do it and it didn't accept my opting out Me online. Too. So it said, you've got to ring this number. So yeah, it's Me too. a little bit tricky. 45 minute phone call. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it is quite easy to do besides, besides that aspect to it. Um, yeah. And again, you and I, of course, are not telling anyone no, what they should or shouldn't not. do, but these are the sort of the reasons why we why have decided. We are opting out i don't think it's a really necessary step in the right direction well thank you for sharing your research with us and if anyone wants to um learn a bit more about this you can watch kale's video and he also did a live video with dr damien christoph about it Um, we can put the links on the show notes um and again make your own decisions don't just jump in whatever you hear <laughs> we're not telling you to do that so just um ha- just look into it well and i think if people uh, you can't make informed decisions until you're informed exactly. guys and that's yep. why we we do what we do it's yep. your choice if you want to go and take an antibiotic or it's your choice if you want to go and sign up for my health record as yep. always yep. but i think it's important that we actually arm ourselves with knowledge to mm. empower a little bit of critical thought and risk yep. benefit evaluation that's yeah. what this all comes down to. Well, thank you so much, Kale. Is there any? Um, did you want to share where people can find you? Um, oh, just you at Kale's Broccoli. Yeah, yeah, at Kale's Broccoli on social media. Then you'll see everything that I'm up to. Oh. Sort of just bouncing around between the various countries parts of Australia <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, well, um, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, and it was good to catch up. Yes, so good to catch up. We'll we'll chat soon, won't okay, we? Okay, we'll see you somewhere on our travels. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Kale. Thank you. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.